While God is watering His garden outside, I pray that He will water our gardens inside our hearts this day. Um, before we enter into the Word of God, we always enter in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank You, Lord, for Your Word of Truth. We thank You, Father, for Your incredible design. And we thank You, Lord, for laying down Your own Son, Jesus, to provide a way out for us, Lord, so that we may be reconciled into fellowship with You, Heavenly Father. We can do all these studies about how great we are designed and how great we are formed, Lord. But if we do not accept You, the architect, if we do not accept You, the designer, and give You the credit that You deserve, Lord, this is all meaningless, Father. So, Lord, we just bow our hearts, hearts to You, and we bend our knee to You, Lord, and surrender, because for You, it's all of us, for all of you, everything and nothing less, Lord. So, Heavenly Father, I pray that you open our ears, you open our eyes, and you give us the understanding to be able to understand what you want to say to us this day, Lord. And I pray that you would shed your word like a light, like rays of light, and just focus in so that it may become clear to us how magnificent, how awesome, how glorious, how majestic you are. From the invisible things into the visible things, the small and the biggest things. And as now we get into the small things, Lord, we just thank you, Father God, that your fingerprint is all around us and all upon us and within us. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we're continuing our study on Jesus, the Word of God, um, DNA, and the design of creation. And this is the fourth part. I thought we'd just start the session today. So we're getting into some now more of the technical stuff. So I'm going to blend in a bit of fun things, a bit of uh, insightful things. So. If we just simplify this, shall we play a game? Most of us have played this game before as a child. Snakes and ladders. And, you know, it's very familiar to us. And, you know, it takes two players at least to play the game. And uh, so, in this game, the first one to the finish wins. You know, and as a child, as I say, we may have played this game. And the object of this game is to throw dice and move the spaces on the board and move towards the finish line, because that's the goal. And each player has a turn to throw the dice, and if you land on the bottom of a ladder, you progress up the ladder. However, if you land on a snake, you go all the way back down, much to our despair. It is a game of chance. And however the dice lands, that is your lot. The first person to the finish wins. 
Some games take longer than others, but at the end there is a winner and a loser. This is man's way or invention. And actually the root of this game comes from India. And the ladders are the virtues of men and the snakes are the vices of men. A childhood game. With the life of a Christian, everybody wins. This is God's way. Now if we look in Ecclesiastes, we look at what Solomon has to say. And if those of you who have your Bibles, take your notes on that. Ecclesiastes 9, it's 11 to 3. And in brackets I put here, in pursuit of wisdom. You know, Solomon was accounted and accredited by God as being the wisest man of all times. And in Ecclesiastes, he writes these words about the folly of wisdom and the vanity behind the pursuit of wisdom. And he writes, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are, are taken in an evil net, or as the birds are caught in the snare, or as some men are snared in an evil time, when it faileth, when it falleth suddenly upon them. The wisdom I have, have seen also under the sun, and it seemed great to me. He thought this wisdom, that was everything, but realized time and chance caught up to everybody. Just like that game of snakes and ladders, of chance, throw the dice. So, if we look at what Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians 9, and this I entitled, In Pursuit of God. It's 9 verse 22 to 27. It says, To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, the good news, that I might be the partaker thereof. And do you not know that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that you may obtain, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. Men's pursuits brings a corruptible crown. And here Paul says, but we, an incorruptible crown. Everybody who finishes this race with God will receive a crown. There's no first place or last place. There's no podium. The last is the first. Everybody receives this incorruptible crown. And Paul says, I therefore so run. Not as necessity, so fight I. Not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, 
He's talking to Christ. Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. Everybody wins this race. Once we accept Jesus. And this race before us, what is it? Jesus is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. In Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2, he says, Wherefore seeing that we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, every burden, and, and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. This is a patient race. And it's about endurance to the end of this race. And the brother of Jesus, James, writes these words in James chapter 5, verse 7, 8, and 11. He says, So be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, and see how the farmer waits for the precious crop from his land, being patient with it until he receives the fall and the spring rains. You, too, must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, because the coming of the Lord is near. And we consider those who endured to be blessed. For you have heard about Job's endurance, and have seen the purpose of the Lord, and that the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Patience, endurance, in this race of Jesus Christ. And the promise that Jesus makes to his church in Revelations 2, verse 26, he says, And he that overcometh, an overcomer, and keepeth my works unto the end of the race, to him will I give the power over the nations. Straining toward the goal. This is one of the most beautiful scriptures that Paul wrote in Philippians where he says, not as though I had already obtained, it's chapter 3, not as though I had already obtained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He's saying he's not counting himself being perfect. He's been worked out. And he says, but this one thing I do, and this is a lesson to us, forget those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before us. So many times we look behind us in the race. We need to look forward to what is awaiting us, that is coming forward, and I press toward the mark of the prize for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Press on to the prize. I mean, in, in Luke chapter 6, I think 42, it also says that any man who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is not worthy for the kingdom of God. This is the same concept here. And I'll just go to the, the last verse here. It says, for, it says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body 
that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So now we're getting into the fleshly body and the spiritual body. And this is the race, it's about the spiritual inner man and woman. Jesus is the Word in our DNA. So out of the chrome, in, in each chromosome, as I showed you, they look like letters. The chromosomes that are inherited from the mother and the father. And within the nucleus of each cell, there are the chromosomes. And within each chromosome is the DNA double helix strand, which is wrapped up which contains all of our genetic information that we inherit through the chromosomes of our parents. And quite interesting, we, we, we have what is called a leading strand and a lagging strand. But I'm not going to get into the complexities of this, but basically the DNA is stored in the chromosomes, which comes from the seed. So... The X and X is a female, and the X and Y is a male child. And the sex chromosome comes from the father. So the mother provides 22 chromosomes, the father provides 22, and the 23rd is the sex chromosome. So the mother will always provide the X, and the father provides the X or the Y, the male or the female. Jesus... The Word, written in flesh. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God, for all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything that was made. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and yet the world knew him not. And he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, he gave them the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, not of the will, of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What beautiful, beautiful words. So we were born of God as the sons of God. Now the son, obviously I'm so referring, and this is where scripture refers to the son, this, the man passes on that genetic marker of the sex of the child. Even though both of your, your DNA from the mother and the father is combined, but it is the male who brings it. 
And in one of our later studies, we'll actually get into the whole seed of the woman, what that actually means, because a woman has an egg, she doesn't have a seed. Um, but the volume of, of your book, of each and every one of our books, in Psalm 40, verse 7 and 8, it says, Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God, yes, Thy law is within my heart. And in Genesis, Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, This is the book of the generations of Adam. And in the day that God created man, and in the likeness of God, he made him. Male and female, he created them, and blessed them, and called their name, Adam, which in the Hebrew means red. Here in Genesis, and it says, and in that day they were created. Here in Genesis, God is not making a distinction between man and woman. He's combining them as one. It's as Paul says, there neither be Jew nor Greek or Gentiles or, or, or you know, Jews or Greek, Gentiles or or non-Gentiles, and they need to be male or female, but what? We are one in Christ. This is where, in the Holy Spirit is saying, male and female are one. And one in Christ. Here, it is hidden in Genesis, in the generations of Adam. And obviously, as we know, generations, the DNA carries through the generations. And in Psalm 139, we've read this in the previous studies, but... I just have to highlight it again. This is such a beautifully worded scripture. And it says, it, it was you who formed my internal organs and fashioned me within my mother's womb. I praise you because you are fearful and wondrous, Lord. Your work is wonderful and I am fully aware of it. And my frame was not hidden from you while I was being crafted in a hidden place, knit together in the depths of the earth and your eyes looked upon my embryo and everything was recorded in your book and the days scheduled for my formation were inscribed even though not yet one of them had yet come was it only their formation was it only scheduled for my formation yeah. or was it for my whole being for the formation of your whole being because from the seed and the egg, I mean, I don't know if you know this, that when a, when a, a baby is born, a, a girl, she contained all the 3,000 eggs in her ovaries that she needs to produce. As a baby girl, those eggs are all contained. So it's from the formation, from the seed, because the DNA is in the chromosomes. So as the DNA, and I'll get into it, what the DNA actually does and how it determines what becomes an ear, what becomes a cartilage, what becomes a muscle, what becomes a protein, amino acids, and, and those type of things. So here, the Holy Spirit is revealing to David that the formation in the DNA, the, the letters written in the book, or our book, were already there. So that these letters were inherited. So our ears will be, or our eyes will look like our mother and father, or we will have the same type 
of physical structure. My father and I are very similar built. And this is what is passed down in the generations. But within that embryo, all of that information is already contained. And that's what is being alluded to here. Science. Now if we look at science, they study matter. So if we look at the science of matter versus the soul and the spirit. And scientists define matter as anything that occupies space and has mass. That's the simplest definition of matter. So if it occupies a space and it weighs something, it has mass and therefore it is matter. And matter is made up of 92 elements. And if we look at our periodic tables, um, that's what it says. And these are the elements that cannot be broken down into further components. So it's on the molecular structure. I have an interesting question. Here you see a flash disk. Everyone knows what this is. Okay, so how much does a 32 gig flash disk weigh? How much does it weigh? One gram? Two grams? Five grams? Okay. When it's empty and there's no data on it? Five grams? Now when you fill it with data and there's software loaded on it, how much does it weigh? Five grams? It's exactly the same. Software has no mass. None whatsoever. But it's filled the space. That disk is now full. You cannot put anything else in that flash drive. It's full. But it still weighs the same. So how do the scientists explain this? You know, and, and the same, and, and this applies to the soul and the spirit, and some call it consciousness. What is our consciousness? What is our spirit, our heart, our soul? And the weight of our brains and the weight of our heart doesn't change if we breathe or if we, we did. That the weight stays the same. But yet our heart beats with electrical signals. And yet our brains process with also electrical synapses and signals. And yet we are all unique. We all have skills. And we all have different personalities. So out of this whole design, we are all uniquely made. God is incredible. But yet there's no mass to the inner man. And this is what I'm getting to. The inner man or the inner spiritual being in our natural body. The essence of us. There's no mass. If we look at matter in the human body, and this is a chart of the different elements that are contained in our body. You know, we've got the usual suspects, we've got oxygen, we've got carbon, we've got hydrogen, nitrogen, calcium, phosphorus, potassium, sulfur, sodium, chloride, magnesium, a couple of other trace elements. And we look at our body, 65% at least oxygen. And... Uh, if you want to take that and with the hydrogen, they often combine. So most, a, a, a child when they're born, uh, a baby will have between 75 and 80% of their body will be water. 
and uh, adults will be between 50 and 75 percent water in our bodies H2O, so hydrogen, oxygen. So if we just break it down into the, the elements of the matter, that is how we are formed. Did you know the Bible conform, confirms this? I've not come across this scripture before, but in Psalm 62 verse 9, it says, Human beings are a mere vapor, while people in high positions are not what they appear. When they are placed on the scales, they weigh nothing. And even when weighed together, they are less than nothing. This is the Holy Spirit revealing this to David 3,000 years ago. No matter what your status, no matter what your position, at the end of the day, this vapor. And then, in Genesis 3, this is where it first starts. So that was Psalm 62 verse 9. Genesis 3 verse 19 and says, After the fall of man, and after Adam and Eve were then removed from the Garden of Eden, it says, In the, in the sweat of thy face, and thou shalt eat bread, and thou wilt return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. I shall return to the elements, essentially. Carbon, oxygen, nitrogen, hydrogen. And in James chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Whereas you, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanish away. Scripture confirms this. Our soul and our spirit have no mass. And the vapor is like the steam of a kettle. So you boil the water, it's like that steam. And the steam is gone. So now we have the battle of the seeds. Not the battle of the sexes. Okay? As I said, in God's eyes, male and female are one. And that is confirmed. And in Christ, we are one in Christ. So Adam, he was, became the first living person. He was the natural man, the natural body. He will return to the dust. And his condemnation was sin and death. And he had a mortal body. That is Adam. Jesus becomes, became the life-giving spirit. The spiritual man will return to heaven will bring forgiveness and eternal life and an eternal body. And this is the old covenant, the old man, the natural body, and the new covenant, the new man, the spiritual body. So you have the seed of Adam, which is the flesh, and the seed, Jesus, the word of God, which is the seed of God, is the spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 15, this is an incredible chapter to study. It's 21 verse 23. It says, For since by man came death, and by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, 
and Christ the first fruits afterward they that are Christ's at his coming and in verse 44 to 47 it says it is sown in a natural body the seed our DNA the seed that's the seed okay and it is raised a spiritual body so there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body so the natural body has a mass the spiritual body has no mass and so it is written that the the first Adam was made a living soul and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit how be it that was not first which was spiritual but that which is natural and afterward that which is spiritual the first man is of the earth earthy the dust and the second man is the Lord from heaven see the separation so we have the law in the Old Testament on the two tablets of stone I am the Lord thy God thou shalt have no other God before me thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image thou shalt not take the name of the Lord of God in vain remember the Sabbath keep it holy honor thy father and mother thou shalt not kill thou shalt not commit adultery thou shalt not steal thou shalt not bear false witness and thou shalt not covet the Ten Commandments and I wanted to read it out just to remind us again what they are and the old man is under the law of Moses and in Romans it's probably one of the highest even to this day modern Greek scholars say that the, the, the way the book of Romans written in Greek is one of the highest forms of the Greek language they have of the ancient texts such was Paul's grasp with the Greek mindset and he, he, it, it, it was like um, in Afrikaans or Hoge Afrikaans or Hoge Duits you know we have Afrikaans and then High Afrikaans or High Dutch this is the same he wrote the book of Romans in High Greek very precise and the scholars today still raise this book up even though they're not believers but because of the language that he was using Paul was the educated of the educated at that time he was the Greek of Greeks he was the Jew of Jews as he has said yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> we must get the the the, the oh Afrikaans of fatalling out, um, but yeah. So in the old man, and Paul says this. He says in Romans three verse twenty. He says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. That is the purpose of the law. Was to reveal the sin. Okay, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets and even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ 
unto all and upon all that believe. And there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. When God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remissions of sin that are past through the forbearance of God. So the law came to reveal the sinfulness within each and every one of our natural bodies. No. Yes, of course. No, because I'm not um, the, Before the law was there, people had the sense, they had the sense of when they're doing wrong. For example, the murder of the um, guy. Was there, before the law, there Conviction. was a conscience of yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Hebrews chapter 11 actually nails that, that whole, uh, it's called the hall of faith. And, you know, God made a covenant with Abraham 430 years before the law came. He lived 430 years before. You know, he called him out of Ur in the land of Chaldea. And, um, you know, and that chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, deals with that faith is the substance of things hoped for and not seen, and that through faith, God imputed that as righteousness unto them, was through their faith. Not the law, the faith. But he goes on to say that they had received a promise, but they had not entered into that promise. Because the promise is Jesus, the fulfillment of the law. Okay. So Hebrews 11, fantastic chapter. And one of the most incredible things about that chapter is not one of those guys had a Bible between them. <laughs> so we look at Paul. Let's see what he talks about the inner man and the law of Christ by faith. So Romans chapter 7, verses 22 says, For I delight in the law of God after the inner man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So the law of sin is in our fleshly bodies. We all deal with this daily. And he says, Oh, wretched man that I am. You've got to love Paul. Yeah, he says it as it is. And he says, Who shall deliver me from the body of the death. And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. So the mind, his spiritual mind, is upon Christ and the law of Christ. And in Galatians 2 verse 16 he says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. And even we believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. So he's quoting that scripture. 
again. And in Galatians 3, it says, For as many are the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Because Jesus said, if you, if you are guilty of committing one offense, you are guilty of committing all offenses under the law. And so, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by their faith. And this is taken from Habakkuk. And this is the verse that started the Reformation. Martin Luther was sitting in a monastery reading the book of Habakkuk. And he read this book. And he read these verses. And the Holy Spirit convicted him to, to write his thesis and nail it onto the doors of that church. And that was 500 years ago that the Reformation began. Because before then there was no word. The word of God was kept in the Roman Catholic Church. There was no Bible. So the first, after that, the, the, the printing press was invented. And the first book ever printed on the printing press was the German version of the Bible. And so word, the word of God became accessible in people's homes. You know, God has always been working with individuals. He doesn't work with denominations. He works with an individual within each of our own hearts. And he says, and the law is not of faith. So the law is not faith. Law is, is the, the rule book. You know, it is set in stone. But faith is about the fleshy parts, the sensitiveness to God. As I discussed in last week's session, he said that God is going to take a heart of stone, those tablets of stone out, and he's going to place us with a heart that is sensitive to him. And then he goes on to say, for the letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. And that's from 2 Corinthians 3. This is now nailing this down. Adding the layer to it, the confirmation. And so, and Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, and that the blessing of Abraham, and this was 430 years before the law, the covenant that God made, might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So we have the law versus grace. Under which are you living? And as a younger man, I was taught certain things, but now I'm going to read through the scripture. And, you know, do, do you have an answer? What are, what are we living under? Grace. Grace, grace, as a Christian. Okay. But what about this verse? Christ came to fulfill the law. In Matthew 5 verse 17 he says, Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I come not to destroy but to fulfill. 
For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth shall pass, not one yacht or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. A yacht and a tittle are the smallest letters in the Hebrew alphabet. A yacht is like a, a decorative hook, an apostrophe. A tittle is like a breath and a space between the letter. And the rabbis say that when Messiah comes, he will even interpret the spaces between the letters in the Bible. Everything has a reason and a purpose. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. The law still exists. The answer is we are still under both. But it is by the grace and the law of grace that we are saved in the spiritual man and we are spared the second death. But the law still abides for all humanity. For this is the law of flesh, the law of sin. And everyone will be held account to their works according to the law. So Jesus being the fulfillment of the law, God shows us His lovingness and His mercy and His grace. And as a Christian, we will be spared. But for those who do not know Him, they are condemning themselves. It is not Jesus who came to bring condemnation to this world. He came to save this world. And in John chapter 3 verses 17, it says that I have not come to condemn this world, but for those who rejected me have condemned themselves, because they are under the law of the flesh, the law of sin. This is the same law that will apply in God's court for everyone in creation. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise of the law. So, and he's the end of the curse of the law. Because the curse of the law was death. For the wages of sin is death. So Jesus ended the curse of the law. But rather brought life into the law through grace so that we may have eternal spiritual life. And so... He's ended the curse of the law to those who accept Jesus, Him, fully, now, today, and every day. It's a moment-by-moment -moment walk with Jesus. Moment-by-moment -moment choice. As we yield ourselves as a living sacrifice, so that God may change and transform us, and that He may renew our mind. And this is what Paul was talking about in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. So that we can prove what is the holy and acceptable will of God and plan for His life. The greatest adventure that any of us can undertake is to not only discover what God's will and plan is for us, but to live it every day. And everybody is unique. God is not a respecter of persons. Everybody has skill. Everybody has an ability. 
No one is above or below. We all have something to offer the kingdom of God. And this is what Jesus said. And the, the law of God is forever settled, as it says in Psalm 119. And this will be the measure of God's judgment in His court. So, we are to change our life for eternity. There's actually two messages in this. If we take the darker one and the lighter one. So, if we read it. If we sow, we plant... And we invest now. We reap, we harvest, and we collect later. So we so what we sow, we reap. What we plant, we harvest. What we invest, we collect. And what now? Later. Because it says, for everyone who sows in the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap, sorry, from the Spirit reap eternal life. So let's invest in our eternity, invest in our inheritance, invest in our rewards, and sow and plant in other people's gardens, so that they too might also sow into their storehouse in eternity. And the life in the Spirit is, that for the flesh has to die so that the Spirit can live. And last week I discussed about the birth and rebirth of Moses and the birth and rebirth of a nation. Let's look at the birth and rebirth of a man and a woman. And as I say, man and woman are one in God's eyes. So the water is the flesh and the spirit is eternal. So the book of man is the flesh and this was born in the water of the, the womb. This is the temporary body. And the book of life is the Spirit. So born of the Holy Spirit of God, which is the eternal body, the spiritual body. And we all know the scripture, John chapter 3, verses 3 to 7. It says, Jesus answered unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, and sect, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man... Be born when he is old? Or can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And marvel not unto thee that I say that you must be born again. So this is Jesus making the distinction. So the water of the womb, the 40-week period as we discussed, we discussed the umbilical cords. And now we're just going to end with a little bit on the chemical structure of our DNA. I'm going to break this slide down into different components. But this is the double helix which we are all familiar with and we've seen and the structure of the DNA and this is the building blocks of who we are. But yet within us we all have different skills, abilities, personalities. The scientists are studying these but, you know, and they're, they're trying to 
understand personalities through, through psychology and, and other fields. I mean, the word psychology, suke, means the soul in Greek. And ologies or ologia is the study thereof. And who better to study our souls than the creator, the architect of our souls? So, we all know Lego, building our house, the temple of God, all the building blocks. Another game we played as a child, you know, fitting the pieces together. And some of them fit, some of them don't. <coughs> and if you watch a child play with Lego, it's one of the most incredible things to see how the imagination goes. You know, because you can get those Lego sets which, which build different things, or you just get a whole, just a box of Lego, and you'll see that child create something, and every child will do something a little different. They're, even then, they are showing their own personalities in the way they put the building blocks together. So how does God build our house from the molecular structure? And, and it's just a, a glossary of, of some terms that, and some definitions. I will be giving you these slides so that you'll be able to see. But what is a chromosome? So I, when I talk about some of these topics, you know, I don't want to be too academic, but I just wanted to lead us into this um, so that we can just understand what it, what it is when I say a term. So a chromosome is part of a cell in an animal or plant and it contains the genes that determine what characteristics the animal or plant will have. So that's what a chromosome is. Um, DNA is an acid in the chromosome in the center of cells of living things. And DNA determines the particular structure and functions of every cell and is responsible for the characteristics being passed on from parents to their children. And the DNA is the abbreviation for deoxyribonucleic acid. And that's where DNA comes from. Um, RNA is an acid in the chromosome in the cells of living things which plays an important part in passing information about protein structure between different cells. And RNA is an abbreviation for ribonucleic acid. So RNA is like the transcription and translation. And we'll get into this into another study. But it's like language. If you had to take a language and translate it or copy it, and then translate it into another language, this is what RNA does. Um, a monomer is a simple molecule that, that, can, be, that can form polymers by combining with identical or similar molecules. And a polymer is a chemical compound with large molecules made up of many smaller molecules of the same kind. And a nucleotide, which forms part of the rungs of the ladder or the base pairs, is a, is a polymer. So I'll give you an example. A polymer might, might be a starch. And the monomers that make up that starch is glucose, 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 glucose. It's the same type of sugar that makes up that particular polymer. So that's the term they use. So it would be a repetitive of that particular substance. And it, it can be either in a linear or a vertical or uh, they take different forms. But that's essentially what a polymer is. So it, it's many of the same. Um, an amino acid 
is these are the component molecules of proteins. And some can be synthesized in the body, which are non-essential amino acids, and others cannot. And those are essential components of the diet, what we eat. And these are called essential amino acids. And these link together by polypeptide chains to form proteins that are necessary for all life in general. Okay, and um, so a peptide, what this is, is, is it's a group of compounds formed from two or more amino acids by the linkage of amino groups and of some of the acids, um, you know, and so it's normally less than 50 amino acids is called a peptide. And a polypeptide is a substance containing two or more amino acids in the molecule joined together by peptide bonds. And this is normally greater than 50 amino acids. Okay, and a protein is, is any of a large class of complex polymers, so polymers are of the same molecule, consisting of long chains of polypeptides often bonded with nucleic acids, lipids, etc. And proteins are found in all cells and are essential to the diet of animals and the basic components of cartilage, hair, and skin, and often function as enzymes or hormones or antibodies. So you see, this is the building blocks. That's what the proteins are. So from the DNA structure, the DNA runs in the ladder, form amino acids, and those acids amino acids are joined together to form a particular protein or an enzyme which will determine whether it's a hormone, whether it's a hemoglobin, part of our blood, our skin, our cartilage, our bone, our hair, and all of that. And all of this is encoded in the DNA. So I, yeah, I just wanted to just highlight those couple of terms because this is how the scientists speak and that's how they've named it. And if we just, I just want to, to, to end here with this one, is that the, the helix of the DNA, um, you have the double-stranded spiral model, but then you also have what's called the ladder, the straight ladder model, okay? And this is why I started with snakes and ladders. So this is the ladder that is in our chromosomes that come, that get passed down to your children. So, on these two rungs of the ladder, we have what is called a sugar phosphate backbone. So there are two backbones, these are the posts. And the DNA architecture, <laughs> it's just incredible, has three groups, tri-unity, trinity, okay? The first of this sugar phosphate, you have a sugar molecule, you have the phosphate backbone, and then you have the four base pairs or bases. And these, the bases are the rungs of the ladder that join the two backbones. So you, you have on the sugar molecule, and you'll see it's a, a paint... Uh, pentagram it's got five points on the sugar molecule so and that's why it's called dioxy because there's a, a less oxygen uh, molecule in that but there are five points on the sugar base molecule and that then attaches to uh, the phosphate 
So there are five carbon atoms, five fingers in our hands, times two, and that equals the backbone of the DNA ladder, which is the Ten Commandments. This is the establishment of God's law. The two pillars in the front of the temple, you had Boaz and Joachim. And Boaz means in his strength, and Joachim means he will establish. So these two posts on the ladder are joined together by five, so five on each side, just like they're two tablets of stone. You've got five on one tablet and you've got five on another tablet, the two pillars in our DNA. And this is the backbone of our DNA structure. And the law of God is established, just like I mentioned before, that there were 33 bones in the spine, like the backbone. Jesus was 33 years old when he was crucified. He was the death of the last Adam, and he was the first man of heaven. Now, this sugar carbon molecule, the deoxyribose carbon, sweet. Sugar is sweet. What does the Bible say about sweet? Here in Exodus 15 is hidden the gospel for all to see. Exodus 15 verse 25 and this is after the, the people had now left Egypt and they had now entered into the wilderness and they came up to the waters of Marah which was the bitter water and the people were complaining of thirst and they were like you know Moses give us something to drink we are thirsty and they've been walking now for three days three days and then he says and he cried unto the Lord and the Lord, what, showed him a tree for which he had cast into the waters, and the waters were made sweet. And that there he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. So here is the prototype of a tree taking that curse, the bitterness, turning it into the sweet water in Exodus in the wilderness wanderings and if we look at phosphorus <laughs> how does phosphorus react for those of you who remember science in school you know what happens to phosphorus when it is exposed to oxygen or exposed to breath of the Holy Spirit and how is phosphorus actually stored White phosphorus is stored in water because it is such a, a, a combustible agent. And for those of you who remember your science class in school, I mean, it was great wonder when the teacher brought this experiment out because, you know, as boys, we love explosions. But yes, and this effect is what is called the phosphorus sun, which is the light. So a piece of white phosphorus is dried and placed in the glass deflagrating spoon. The element is lowered quickly into a flask of oxygen. White phosphorus is stored under water 
because it is spontaneously flammable in air. The element soon ignites and burns vigorously in the oxygen. This reaction is often referred to as the phosphorus sun. The bright white light that comes from phosphorus burning is sometimes used in flares and other applications. Incredible. Phosphorus in our backbone exposed, so it's kept in water, exposed to light, it flame, it sets a light. And these nucleotide bases, they are two bases to make one pair, okay? So I know this is a, a little bit, this is the last slide, is it, is it all right guys, can I just finish? Okay, you're not, okay. Um, so the nucleotide bases, which are polymers, which are of the same, so there's two bases to make one pair that join the ladders. And so they form the runs of the ladder, and one comes from each backbone. And the backbone, or the bases and the runs, so in the backbone, you've got the law, okay? So the five commandments and the five commandments, the law, the establishment of the law. Within the runs, we have the grace, the runs of the ladder. Because when we climb up the ladder, where do we go? This is the veil that was torn. We now have been reconciled with access to God. But within our DNA in the structure, as we reveal this in the spiritual light, as in the spiritual man, we all remember Jacob's ladder. The angels were traversing up and down. The same story here within our, if we look at it through the lens of scripture. So we have the law as establishing being the strength and the runs of the ladder is the grace and the love of God. This is the love that binds us because why? Jesus says there are two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul and your mind and your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Two commandments, two runs for one ladder. Ten commandments established. So it's law and grace. And the way of the runs, the way they join is very specific and they follow the same pattern. And the pattern on the ladder of each side is actually anti-parallel. So the one runs down and the other one runs up on the double helix. And this is exactly what Boaz, in his strength, he will establish, is how they run their ladder. So strength is coming down and establish is going up to heaven. So strength to the earth, establish into heaven. And that follows the same pattern of the pillars of Solomon. And so on the left, the phosphate base, you have five, the carbon 5 joins with the carbon number 3. And that's how they join. And on the base on the right... The phosphate joins, the carbon-3 joins to carbon-5. So it's actually 5 to 3 on the left and 3 to 5 on the right. And these are also part of the God ratio. This is the spiral, again. This is the numbers, 1, 1, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, 3 and 5 in there. And with, within these molecules, the way they join on the rungs of the ladder, so you have the two types, 
the Pyramidines, the Purines, which is the Old Testament and the New Testament, and Jesus being the Old Testament fulfilled, and hence being, being the law of grace. And the rules are very, very specific. And they are joined by hydrogen bonds. So the adenine combines with thymine, and guanine only combines with cytosine. So the four bases, the four chambers of the heart, the four Gospels, Jesus, his fingerprint on every single one of us. And if we look at Jesus saying, saying, I am your DNA. Jesus says, I am your life. I am the living water, the phosphate in the water, our body 50 to 75% water. I am the light of the world. When you expose oxygen to phosphorus, you see what happens. He is the light, and this is what He comes. When His Holy Spirit quickens us, we feel alive. He, he makes us alive again. And it's that flame that burns inside of us, that zeal of God, that love of God that fills us, that we love others. It's like He energizes us with His Holy Spirit. And this is exactly the inner man coming out, a living, alive, the quickening of the Spirit. And I am the bread of life. These are the building blocks of life. This is what gives the substance. I am the good shepherd. I am the door to the sheep. So the door can only open one way. These rules follow the same principles. And we are his flock. So when he's breathed into us, and Jesus says, yeah, I am the vine, and you are the branches. So if we take this in the DNA molecule structure, Jesus is the two pillars. He, in his strength, he has established the law because he fulfilled the law, and the rungs of the ladder are you and I. The love of God. We are the light bearers to show the light to others in this world. And so he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And the branches are the same, like ropes. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way up on the ladder is up. Leviticus 17 verse 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is, for, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Praise you, Jesus, for your incredible design. I hope I didn't get too complicated. I tried to keep the science. <laughs> well, as a doctor, how did I do? <laughs> In the smallest things. Yeah. And, yeah, so... Thank you so much for, for joining us today. And I know I went a little bit longer. There's a lot of stuff to get through, but I've been laying the foundation.
architecture of not only the fleshly, the natural body, but now the architecture of the inner man. And just like I started with the cardiovascular system, and to give you an understanding that science in this world measures matter. God weighs the heart, He measures the soul, He restores the soul. The soul, the spiritual man, has no mass in the scientists of this world's eyes. They're they, they occupying space and having weight. But, you know, our bodies, with or without our spirit, will still weigh the same. The matter is what remains. That's the natural body, body that will remain. And this is the hope that we have of an eternal life and a more excellent way. And this is why this race we run with patience to press on towards the prize. Because the high calling on each and every one of us is for sure, is what Paul says. Your calling and election is sure. So God has placed a calling on everyone's life. So my prayer is that we will walk and live in His calling. Each and every one of us. Anyone have any particular needs in prayer? Any concerns? If we have some communal prayer, as always, we give Him some glory. Yes? If I'm finding some, um, especially back and failure, and can I look at all of this? Not I wish, but yes, it's, it's never too late or too early to learn something. But now we actually abuse our bodies, and it's so wonderfully made. It just gives you a new respect for what God did. And um, in the young age that I am, I'm I'm undergoing that change where you realise that you can't jump as high as you could before. And that you wake up in the morning and you think, what is going on with my body? I'm just uh, experiencing um, more back pain and pains and things. But, um, and in the day that we live in, every time you feel something, you think. It's, we are so conditioned in the year so much that you immediately think there's something terribly wrong that you're not going to outlive just to, for me to have that calmness and the healing of the Lord that He is able. Absolutely. He is able. He is possible. Yes. In His infinite design. So here we, I mean, we have the I am in our DNA. Not just only in the holy place of the temple. It's bringing it all into ourselves. And for me, the one thing when I hear all of this, and this is our earthly bodies, and then I can't even start to think about our resurrected bodies one day, what will happen to that, that explosion of light. Yes. Absolutely. We earnestly await. Yeah, the whole earth is groaning yes. for the new creation, for the manifestation of the sons of God for the actual inheritance. We've received the spirits of adoption, but we haven't yet been adopted into the spiritual yet. Uh, absolutely. And teachings coming out of this will be dealing with dimensionalities and dealing with how Jesus could pass through walls and all sorts of interesting things. How many more lessons are there? 
unending. The word of God is unending. Heidi asked me the question last week, uh, and, and this is why yeah, I went in discussions with Mike, and I was praying for this, and the Lord said, just, you know, this mustn't be just another Bible study. It's about understanding the times that we live in and understanding the times through the lens of Scripture as God focuses His ray of light onto, you know, and we will discuss many, many fields, many situations, uh, whether it be biology, anatomy, politics, you know, the world, corrupted systems, because now I'm laying the foundation for the, God's perfect design and what His plan is and to, to end the curse, because Jesus is the end of the curse of the flesh and He is the quickening of the Spirit. So, yeah. I'm just hoping for this group to grow because people don't realize what they're missing. And with this, um, we, we so few, it, it, but yes, the Lord, the Lord is always in control. But for me, I would just like to see this group fall. To me, it's just absolutely every time it's a new relation. Sometimes I think a lot of Christian people think they, I won't say know it all, they, they think if you know the word, then you okay. But it's, it's much more good. And it's so, it's so interesting and it's so unfolding. Um, I find myself um, even having a tear or two for the respect of, of life and the body that I didn't have. Take your glory, Lord. You know, God has taught me differently. I'll be honest. I, when God saved me, I said to Him, You teach me. Everything I thought I knew, I just left. And these are the teachings that have been born in the prayer room. And, but weaving, making the Word of God fun and interesting and creating a hunger in all of you is my prayer. And returning awesomeness. I think I'm reading a book, book now by the name of All and how all has gone wrong for people. The all of God has gone wrong. And that we've lost our all for this and this brings it back. So we thank the Lord for using you to bring this to us. Now let's enter into prayer, Lord. Thank you. We bring honor to you, Lord, to name. Lord, there's no words, human words, that I can find to express what, what I feel about your creation and how my love grows and my astonishment and my hope grows for you in these revelations. Now thank you, Lord. 
Jesus Christ, we come this day to thank you, Lord, for this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you for drawing us together and for placing us right here where we could learn and see what a marvelous and wonderful, what an awesome God you are. And that you are involved in every detail of our lives. In our makeup, Lord. In everything that we are, for everything that we are is in you, Jesus. And thank you seems like a very, very small word that can never, ever suffice what we feel, our heartfelt gratitude, which we pour out here this morning. And we do so, Lord, and we bring our families to you. For your word says, love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your might. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Lord, you know who my neighbor is. And so, my God, I take each child of mine and I place them in your loving care and I pray my God that you will open their eyes Lord Jesus Christ that they will enter into a person 
that they will know that you, Jesus Christ, you are in their DNA. That they will love for you. As we surrender all that we are to you, Lord Jesus, just as you gave your life for us, that we may have life and life in abundance. For he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Lord, I pray that you will reveal the power of our purpose. That you will restore the joy of our salvation. That we will be filled with your Holy Spirit. That we will be your witnesses, my God. For you have come to set the captives free. You have come that the blind may receive their sight. That the lame may walk. You have come to heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds. You have come, my God, you have come to give us life and give us life in abundance. And I pray, Lord, that your word will be a living document, a reality to us, Lord. That we will go out and make disciples of all men baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we will see revival, my God, that we will see lives change and your name glorified, Lord Jesus Christ, that we will live for you, for it is in you that we move, in you that we breathe. It is in you that we have our being. And we thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. We thank you for all that you are. And we thank you for all that you're going to do. For you are the potter, and we are the clay. Come and mold us, Lord. Come and shape us. Break us, Lord Jesus. That we may love the lives that you have called us to live. And we ask this in your mighty name. Lord Jesus, our God and our Savior, we thank you, Jesus. And we want to love for you. Help us, strengthen us with your Holy Spirit. That we may be your witnesses to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.
What a mighty and powerful God you are, Lord. And yet within your might and your strength, at your right hand, Lord, is our Savior. And his name is Jesus. And you've written him all, all over us, within us, Lord. Jesus, you are in our DNA. You bring us to life. You quicken our spirits, Lord. I pray, Lord, that, that these words would really penetrate our hearts, Lord, and that we would be doers of your word, not just hearers of your word, Father. I thank you, Father, for your infinite wisdom, Lord. I thank you for your word that you have given us, all the answers that we need to know. The old languages didn't have names for these scientific terms, but you revealed it all in your word. So Lord, make your word relevant to us every single day. Let it be our roadmap. Let it be our compass to guide us. So Lord, as we set sail, let you be the anchor and we will stand on the hell and the wind which will be your Holy Spirit Lord will move us and Lord as I was reminded this week the anchors in the old days were actually used as steering as well they weren't just used to hold the ship in place they were used for steering so Lord steer us in your path Steer us in your calling, Lord. Yes. Heavenly Father, as your word says, as we trust you and acknowledge you in all of our ways, Lord, that you will make our path straight, Lord. You will remove all the stumbling blocks. You will remove all the snares. Because thy word is a light. And thy word is a lamp. Not only to our feet, but unto our path, Heavenly Father. And you show us what we need to know, and you provide what we need for this day, Lord. And Father God, let there be increase in your kingdom this day. Let there be increase in your unconditional love, Lord. And at this time, in this hour, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would bring hearty counsel and wisdom, your wisdom, into the leadership in this world today, Lord. Into the government, into the decision makers of the corporations, into the boardrooms, into all of these places, all over this earth. Raise up righteous men and women who stand upon your principles, who stand upon your word, who do not waver left or right or compromise your truth. And that, Lord, that your voice of reason will be heard in these chambers, Lord. Because it is by hearty counsel that many will be spared, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that the plans of the enemy and the weapons of the enemy shall not prosper against your children. But they will return in vain, Lord. And that you, will that you are a mighty fortress and a refuge and an ever-present help. Always, Lord, whatever our circumstance. So, Lord, I pray this, that these decisions that are made this day will be righteous decisions. 
decisions for your kingdom, for your people, Lord. And that you would draw people into your love. And let us be that lighthouse that shines bright for all mankind with your love. We give you all the glory, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. you Lord for what we have learned today from your word and from your servant whom you've inspired. Thank you that we could be here. Thank you for your blessing that you've imparted to us. We ask Lord that you'll go with us and germinate the seeds that you have sown in our hearts. That they may indeed grow up to be a blessing to those that we come in contact with. Yes, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.